0: Welcome to the Business Trendsetter Podcast, where we talk about trends and how to grow your business. My name is Manny Turan. And I'm Adam Hartung. We are Spark Partners. To learn about how to grow your business, go to our website at sparkpartners.com. And, you know, we talk about a lot of things here at Spark Partners, in particular, all about trends and understanding your customers. But uh, trends, and by their very nature, and, and customers don't operate in a vacuum. And there's always going to be the the tug and the push and the pull of different dynamics, human dynamics, when it comes to um, how decisions are made within the company and then how the the rest of the world reacts. And so on today's podcast, we want to sort of explore the idea of of a true uh, pivot, a strategic pivot. And uh, one of my favorite examples, of course, is we've talked about this in the past, is that, of course, of Netflix. Netflix has gone through a, a couple different pivots and, in doing so, has maintained their position as the, the, the top of the, the entertainment food chain. But, uh, you know, people that are on the stock side, or who are stockholders, don't always like that. And so uh, let's talk about that, Adam. Let's let's start talking about the Netflix dynamic and what happened there. And then sort of dovetail into things that are happening with some of uh, our favorite companies that we talk about and others like Ford. And uh, let's go from there. So what are your thoughts on what happened with uh, Netflix? And uh, let's talk about that.
1: Well, you know, I think Netflix is a pretty well run company and they pivoted a couple of times. Now, what's a strategic pivot? Let's remind the audience. It's when you change your value delivery system. Do you align it with your value proposition? And what we're saying there is that the reason customers value is your value proposition. How you deliver value is your value delivery system. That day-to-day activity of your value delivery system, it it can become irrelevant. Uh, just think about Sears. You know, Sears was in the retail business. They were delivering products. They, they used the mail order for a long time, and then they pivoted to tra- traditional stores. That was successful. But then when electronic commerce came along, they did not change their value delivery system. They stayed with the retail stores and new retailers uh, that were undercutting them on price like Walmart in the traditional market, but more importantly, the advent of electronic commerce, meant that here was a new delivery system that attacked the old delivery system and Sears did not pivot, did not change its value delivery system. And even though it had a great brand name and brand names like Craftsman Tools that were you know, really thought well of, Even though it, and Kenmore Appliances, even though it had these brand names and it had a customer base and it had loyalty, they lost the war and they're, you know, they're defunct now. And that's because of the fact they didn't pivot or change their value delivery system. And the reason we like to talk about Netflix is that Netflix started out delivering DVDs to your home. But then as new technologies evolved, they realized they could have a new value delivery system and that would be streaming. And at much to, you know, over a lot of work, they decided, you know, we're going to have to downplay the physical thing. So all the people yep. we've hired, the logistics people, and all that, we're going to have to let those go and replace them with technology people that can help us get into streaming and moving, uh, moving streaming forward as a technology. Right.
0: And when they did that, what what happened? Uh, what did? The, how did the stock market react to that?
1: Yeah. So the, the stock crashed. You know, the reality was that they had gone from like uh, adjusted for uh, for for. Um, uh, uh, changes in the number of shares, <laughs> that splits and that kind of thing. They had uh, gone from $20 to $300 a share in the elimination of Blockbuster and winning the war against Blockbuster. But whenever they announced that they were going to change their value delivery system, the stock fell from $300 a share to $50 a share. It was a huge cutback. And that's because the people on the outside that look at a company, uh, industry analysts in particular... They don't really look at value propositions. They don't think like strategists. They very much look at a value delivery system. They think of that as an asset. And they think about how do I maximize the deployment of the asset? The reality that an asset could become obsolete, like all those Sears stores could become completely obsolete. They don't address that. You don't see analysts say, oh, I think all these retail stores are going to go obsolete. So I'm going to put a very low value on them. And the only way for Sears to be successful is to do something different. Instead, they'll say, well, here's an asset. It should be able to generate returns for a long time into the future. And that's the second part. They always talk about returns, meaning they're talking about earnings, you know, like earnings and earnings per share. And the reality of strategy today, and the reason strategic pivots are important, is because f- from the time strategy, business strategy was born in 1980s up to the year 2000, there was a lot of focus on returns. Like you know, I'm, doing, I'm focusing on better businesses, meaning more efficiency, better operations, tighter ship, more, better, faster, cheaper. That was a lot of what we did in strategic planning, more, better, faster, cheaper. And the objective was to improve returns and earnings per share. And Netflix, again, gives us great insight because in 2004, when they first started to really hurt Blockbuster, Blockbuster's revenue declined from 2004 to 2005. And the CEO, Wayne Huizenga, said, don't worry about that revenue decline. That's not a big deal. I can cut my costs and I can maintain my earnings. We just have a few too many stores. And I'm going to protect my earnings and my earnings per share. In 2005 to 2006, revenues declined again. Now, we've talked about growth stalls and how deadly growth stalls are. That was clearly, you only need two quarters to have a growth stall. You had eight, and so yeah. now the company's in this growth stall. What's happening in the growth stall? Customers are starting to leave. So they're saying, I'm buying fewer DVDs in yeah. the store and I'm getting more DVDs delivered elsewhere. So they're a combination of what Netflix was doing in terms of use of DVDs and the sale, just the fact that people start buying more DVDs instead of renting DVDs was hurting Blockbuster. And so now what happens is, you know, uh, they should pivot. That's what they should do. And Wayne Huizenga was offered the opportunity to buy Netflix. You know, they said, hey, here's Netflix, you can buy in 2006. And he turned it down and he said, I'm not going to buy Netflix because I have my earnings. And if I buy Netflix, it has the the value I would have to pay for it, how much I would have to pay for that company. It has so few assets and the value, the price I would pay compared to revenues means that my earnings per share would decline. So this decline in earnings per share would hurt my shareholders. So to protect my shareholders and protect my earnings, I am going to continue cost cutting and I will not buy Netflix. And he turned it down in 06 and he turned it down again in 07. And by 2010, Blockbuster had gone bankrupt. They were completely out of business. So if we look from a strategist's point of view, and what I hope our listeners uh, take, the point of view they take, is that you're thinking about the long-term business. You're thinking about your sustainability. When we want to sustain our business long-term, we have to really look at revenues. Where are the revenues going? And if revenues are going away, we can't really defend and extend our business. Right? Yeah. Nobody ever saved their way to prosperity. That That doesn't happen. And well, and, and Blockbuster is a great example of that. We're cutting costs. We, we saw it happen again at Sears. We saw it happen previously at Woolworths. We can find if we start tracking Radio Shack, Hostess, remember the great Hostess baking Wonder Bread, and all right. that good stuff. When we go look at those stories of failed companies, universally, what we see are companies that allowed their revenues to slip away. Instead of saying, "Hey, I got to keep focusing on my customers. I got to keep growing my revenues," they would do something along the lines of saying. Mm, Revenues have a problem. I'm therefore going to better manage the business. I'm going to focus on cost reductions. And that inevitably leads them into some sort of a downward spiral that they get into. They should be making that strategic. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There's a a great book that I read. You might've read it. Uh, It's called Endurance. It's about Shackleton's uh, exploration of Antarctica and their failed mission. And I always remember that uh, when it comes to this conversation we're having now, if if Shackleton would have chosen to quote unquote cut costs and focus on doing what they do best, you know, from an operations perspective, when they were locked in the ice, they would have all died. They would have all died. But what he did, his leadership was okay. I know that we should probably wait it out, but I also know that unless we make a, a move to uh, these particular islands, they were they're they're going towards. We're going to die. We're all going to die. And he actually uh, most of the people that are on that mission survived because of, of that decision to move forward and, and look forward instead of backwards. We talk about this a lot. Right. If you're in, in strategic planning, you got to look forward out in the, in the market, not necessarily inside of your own company.
1: Well, so let's modernize this story because this is happening around us today. Um The reality is when you're a leader and you say, okay, the market is shifting, my customers are shifting, I need to do new things to grow my revenue, frequently you will find it difficult to get support. People will say, well, do you know how to do that new value delivery system? You know, like with Netflix, do you know how to be a technology company and stream? No, if you don't, then don't try. And then, of course, they made the next big pivot, which was they started making their own content. People said, well, what do you know about making movies? And if you don't know anything about it, you shouldn't try. But the leadership said, no, you know, our customers, we know our value proposition delivering entertainment, so we're going to learn to get good at the next thing. And that's what so often leaders, they shy off, they quit, they give up because they get a lot of reinforcement to give up. People say, hey, you know, keep doing what you've been doing, cut your costs, focus on your earnings, focus on your cash flow. And if you do that, long term will take care of itself. When in fact, you know, it's the Shackleton effect, you're locking yourself into the ice and you're going to get crushed if you keep stay on that path. And it's hard. It's hard to fight that that, that war. Um, and Ford's a good example. In, in two thousand and um, um, what was it, eighteen? Um, I believe it was that they said, "Okay, we're going to discontinue sales of the Ford Taurus." And effectively that led to was a very quick statement that we're really not going to sell sedans and coupe cars anymore. So that's the big part of the car market, right? I mean, that's your Toyota Camrys and yep. it was your Ford Tauruses and those kinds of Yeah. Yeah. And they said, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. Now, on the face of it, that's a drop back out of revenue. And you've got to be very thoughtful. Is that a smart thing to do? Should I let those revenues go away? But their answer to that was really pretty clear. It was, we're in this pitch battle to sell cars against Toyota and everybody. And in that war, we don't make a whole lot of money. We have a lot of employees. We put spend a lot of money. We have to keep doing R and D to make the cars better, faster, cheaper. We got to do sustainable innovations or we're not in the game. So we have to keep working at that, but it just doesn't make much money. And what we see is the future's electric. The future's going to be electric. Where are we going to get the money to go fight that war if we keep spending so much money trying to preserve or save the old war? And yeah, we did great with the tourists for 40 years, but. Do we want to go and launch that battle again, mm-hmm. or do we want to launch into the new battle of electric? So they they drop the, the cars. And, oh, man, all the animals. Yeah, yeah. Just easy. Go do a Google search, and you'll see how they were just beat the heck up. Then we go to the next step. The next step is, okay, in 2022, March of twenty two, they make the announcement that they're going to take and create, within Ford, two separate entities. There's going to be Ford Blue which is the traditional Ford company, and it's going to sell the all the pickups and the SUVs and the especially the videos like the Mustang things that you, you've you liked and we make money on. We're going to keep doing that. And we're going to compete out there against Chevrolet and Toyota Tundras, all those good people. And we'll see how well we can do. We do good now. We're number one. But we're going to take another and we've created this other company called Ford E, and Fordy is an electric car company, and it's going to stand on its own and it's going to make and sell its own cars in competition with what's happening over at, at Ford Blue. And so we're going to let the marketplace determine how fast this transition happens, but we're going to downplay the internal combustion engine investments. We're going to shrink those back. We know that that's not a growth market, and, and we could easily overinvest in that competing with Toyota and, and General Motors. So we're gonna be careful. We're not gonna overinvest in that. We're gonna throw our money into the Ford E business. And of course they brought out the Mach-E Mustang. That's done very well. They've uh, brought out the Ford Lightning. Both of them have large back orders, much like Tesla had years ago when they were mm-hmm. first launching cars. And look, you know, all appearances are they're headed off in the right direction. But if you go look it up, you'll see all these analysts saying, oh, this is really stupid. It's dumb. You've duplicated your overhead. You've duplicated your accountants and all that. And, you know, we really think that's just a foolish, foolish idea. And you should, you should not be wasting that money. And this, of course, at the same time, what's happened is they've downplayed their, what we would call the luxury car brand, which was Lincoln. So the Lincoln brand was the Cadillac. And if you kind of look at it, both those brands have done poorly in competition with offshore competitors, especially yeah. German competitors. And so the luxury car market is more moved off towards the German uh, competitors and the Japanese. I mean, Infinity is a, a, another good brand. And what yeah, and they're, they're screaming out, we'll shut down Lincoln. Just shut it down. Quit it. You know, save the money. Co- save costs. And I, and I don't have a good answer for that right now because I have noticed that the, the car they're really pushing is the electronic aviator, which is a hybrid. And they're selling that. Now, are they selling all the car number of cars they did back in the day when they had T-Birds and we had uh, Lincoln Navigators, you know, that everybody wanted a giant Lincoln Navigator? No, they're not selling the volume they used to sell. Right. But perhaps they're in a good position there to come out with something that can compete with Tesla as the, as the party goes on. So, But what I want to get to, again, is as a strategist, I can look at this and I can be very complimentary of what the leadership of Ford is doing. And I can say that I'm really sure that the uh, analysts are short-sighted and they're only looking at earnings and they're wanting them to cut costs. And they're saying that they're looking at ways of competing. They're just out of date, right? Yeah. Um, But if you're the CEO or on the executive team or the board of Ford, it's not fun. You're not having meetings no. and getting told that the analyst hate you and that you're an idiot. And, you know, it would be a very, very unpleasant place to be these days. And so it, it is a battle that we're still having in that our leaders often will find themselves in a leadership position that's tough. It's very tough. Now, part of the solution to this is to be sure that you're telling a good revenue story. So if you've got a good revenue story, say, I'm giving up some earnings short term to keep my revenues today and to grow mm-hmm. my revenues. Now that's where we can turn to Disney. You and I had uh, one of these podcasts about three or four years ago. I think it was early in the very early in the pandemic in which um, Iger left and this guy Chapek took over and I was scratching my head. And I was like, oh, man, I I wouldn't get near that because the fellow Chapek, he had a background in amusement parks. And I'm looking and I'm saying, OK, here we got this pandemic. The amusement parks are not on an uphill trend. That, that is not where I would want to go and invest a lot of money. The second thing is you're making big movies that are coming out in theaters and people have quit going to theaters. No. Now they're not a good trend. The pandemic hit and it shut both of them down. Right. So here the new CEO and they're shutting these, they're closing these businesses temporarily because of the pandemic. And I was like, you know, really, they got to be rethinking their strategy, rethinking where they're going. And to my surprise, they did. JPEG yeah. turned around completely. Unlike he did a great job.
0: He did a great job.
1: Yeah. Unlike the stripes of the tiger that he was, he learned how to look around. He said, okay, I want to deemphasize the amusement parks coming out of this. I want to deemphasize the theaters. And he put all this energy into Disney+. Plus." So here you had Netflix that was the Tesla of its market, right? Tesla's got so many sales of electric vehicles beyond everybody else, right? They're way up on a plane of themselves. That's where Netflix was. Well, they come out with this Disney launch, and it's six Disney Plus, I'm sorry, Disney Plus launch, it's six ninety nine to sign up. And even CPEX says that's an insanely low price. But what does he do? Blows the doors off. People at $6.99 rush in, and he actually makes a difference on Netflix which looked impossible. It didn't look like anybody could catch Netflix, but he, he did. He really made a run at it and he got a huge volume of users. Now doing that cost him earnings. So what we had, we had a pandemic. We lose the earnings from the of parts. We lose the earnings from the theaters. So we, he redirects and he says, we're not going to put money there, but we are going to put money in content creation for online much like Netflix has done. So we're going to do a lot more releases direct to online, fewer far fewer releases to the theater, all on trend. And what we're going to do is we're going to get all this big base of users and then we're going to start, you know, raising prices and offering them more content and you know, we'll reprice it and come up with ways to generate more revenue per user. Again, from what I I think it's a fantastic strategy, yep. well thought out, all on trend. And then except for then what happens? He gets, he gets fired. And why does he get fired? Because a bunch of analysts say there's not enough earnings there. Instead of looking at the big success that has happened in that we've got continued to have the amusement parks, we're going to, those amusement parks, they didn't do away with it, but they've got control of the costs and putting the money into growing the next big thing. Instead of saying, oh, that's really smart. What they're saying is, well, you didn't get the earnings, so we want you fired. And the board knuckled under and fired, and they brought Iger back. Tiger comes in, and then you know, just from today eti- from he, retirement, we
0: might say, yeah, he was, he yeah, was he doing it
1: retirement, and they and uh, he relaunches. This is my plan, and it's basically the same plan that Japek had, which was. We're going to raise the price from six ninety nine, and so you're, if you got um, if you don't want to see any ads, it's going to cost you either $10.99, $11.99, somewhere like that per month. If you want to take some ads along the way, we want to raise it up to eight or nine dollars per month. So he's going to generate more revenue, and he's going to. But the worst part is he's going to cut costs in that business. So the yeah. Disney streaming business and the making movies for direct release to streaming businesses is where he's going to cut costs. Now that's that's foolhardy because that's yeah. the trend and that's where they ought to go. Now. If he really believed in this, this is something I believe in. This is a belief I have because it's a human thing. And that is he's paid $25 million a year. He was asked if now that he's the CEO, would he give up part of that $25 million? Uh, give it up for the future. When we saw uh, Steve Jobs did this when he returned to Apple, for example, he said, I waive my salary. I'm going to take a dollar. Um, and then perhaps, you know, if you don't want to just give it up entirely, we'll, we'll trade it. We'll give you stock shares instead of giving you uh, money. And that way you can, if your strategy is right, long-term, you'll make a fortune uh, like Bezos did or like uh, um, um, Tesla's leader, uh, Elon Musk did. Elon Musk. He will not do that. He has not agreed to change his compensation. Plan. Really? He wants the $25 million cash. Now I'm like, so he, okay. He's
0: basically a mercenary at that stage.
1: Guy's got to have at least $500, $600 million from his years of running Disney, all the stock options he had, the, the, how much he was paid. He's got to have $500 million of wealth. Right. So it's not like he needs twenty five million dollars. He can fly his private jets. He's the CEO. gets his private jets are free again. He's got all these perks that go along with being a CEO. Plus, he's just doing well. And the reality is, why wouldn't you give that up if you believed in this long term strategy? But again, what we see is I don't think he does because I don't no. think he really understands what's going on. He ran the old Disney. chapek was creating the new Disney. He's now coming back. He wants to try to recreate the old Disney, I guess. I don't know where he's trying to go. Yeah, he wants
0: uh, the whole name of the game is he wants to decentralize decision making, is what he wants to do.
1: Well, that's easy to say, but decentralizing decision making. When it, I think is code in his case for how to cut costs, I want to decentralize by demanding down through the organization people you're going to figure out who to fire because now everybody's got the fire everyone bug, right? We got it happening mm. all over Silicon Valley. Now, how many you know, the, all the tech companies, how many people are you going to lay off? Uh, you know, it, 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 it we've gone to it's a fad again, trends versus fads. Yeah, right now we have a fad, and that fad is oh, we're going to have a recession like we haven't already caused one by, by Jerome Powell and his actions. And so, oh, oh, the fad is fire people, and that'll make the analysts happy again. Catering to analysts is the dumbest thing any CEO can do. They don't care about you. They don't care about your company. Um, they get paid millions of dollars to write reports and, and move money around, and they have no responsibility of any kind whatsoever. Yeah. If an analyst is a hundred percent off recommending you buy a stock that drops fifty percent, he doesn't get put in jail, he usually right. doesn't even get fired. In the worst yeah. case, someone will say, you know, let's take him off that account and put him on something else for a while, right? Because we don't want his name to be associated with that. Or worse, they'll just say, we're gonna drop coverage. Oh, great, so you told me to buy the stock, it went to pot, but now you're gonna drop coverage on me. Oh, how thoughtful of you, you know? That's kind of the way those guys behave. Now, I wanna make one more step in this logic to help the okay. folks that, we're, <laughs> that we talked to. Lay it on. Back again to revenues. And how important it is to continue to grow revenues. When I look at the FANG stock, you know, uh, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, and Google, and I'll you know, throw Microsoft in there, too, if you want. What we've seen is in the last few quarters and projecting out for the next four quarters, all of those but one are projecting year-over-year revenue growth. So even though they had fantastic years in 19, 20, 21, those years were great. And they call them pandemic years now. We brought revenue forward, all these discussions. All of those companies except one are saying, I can continue to maintain and grow my revenues. And I'm having to make some transitions into new businesses. You know, Microsoft all into Azure and where they're going with that. Great, going to the future. But they're not, the revenues are not going down. The revenues are continuing to go up. If we look at Netflix, Netflix is now getting into gaming. We haven't seen it big yet, but they're getting into gaming. In the process, they've said, we're going to clamp down on password stealing. We're going to start to introduce a new product that has ads in it. Why do they do that? Because they say, you know, don't let the revenues go down. Don't lose the customer. Got to make sure we get our share. So they keep investing in that. Apple... Again, investing in products, having some supply chain problems, continues to work with that, figuring out how can we get more software sales, software as a service sales, more app sales, uh, everything through the channel. And so that continued to drive revenue up again. Um, Google, same thing. Uh, You can scream and cry and holler, well, advertising revenues are down versus what they were before. But Google has said, that's okay. We've got some new revenue streams coming through the the YouTube line. We're going to continue to push on the traditional Google ads and and revenues will maintain or go up. But Meta did something very different. And there they said, we are going to start to make massive investments of cash in a new business. Now, when Meta got into Instagram, it was an acquisition. They took shares that they ran off their own printing press, handed them to somebody, said, these shares are worth a billion dollars. Give us your company. When they acquired um, WhatsApp, same thing, turned on the printing press, made some shares, handed them to the company, gave them $19 billion of shares, and then they got into business. Now what they've said is we're going to grow, develop, create the metaverse. We're going to be a leader in it. But the money for that is coming out of their own pocket. They're not using shares, they're using Why is that? Uh, I, I would guess that they don't see that there's a viable uh, acquisition that so would all their own. Yeah, so they're going to do it themselves. So that's a big difference. It's a big difference growing and he, they bought into those businesses saying, boom, we acquire this, it's here, It's operational. We make some improvements, and then we go after the revenues. We yeah. monetize the product in a way that the original founder couldn't. Here, they've got to build the product and then monetize the product in doing this, their revenues have gone down. They have hit a growth stall. They have had two consecutive quarters of declining revenues.
0: Right. And, and just for, the, for the listeners, remind everybody what that means on a, both like a quarter over quarter and a year over year basis.
1: Yeah. So if your revenues stall, meaning that they've gone down two consecutive quarters or two quarters versus a year ago, right? Your revenues are down for two consecutive quarters, back-to-back, back or versus the previous year, that's a growth stall. Why is that crucial? Because we've been studying growth stalls now for almost 20 years. And just that two-quarter negative revenue situation means that you have about a 93% probability of stalling your company. Now, right. it could be as bad as stalling an airplane, and you'll decline and and go away quickly, like in two or three years. About a third of companies, that's what happens to them, about 28% that'll happen to them. Then they will be the kind that get a growth, that get a stall. That's more like a you know a stalled uh, engine on a car. <laughs> you know we can we'll, we'll do badly, It won't run, and then we'll hit it, hit it, and tinker, 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 and it'll, it'll sputter to life for a little while, and then we'll get down the road a bit, and then we'll it'll quit, it'll stall a bit, out. A bit
0: like that. the uh, the movie theaters, we'll say.
1: Yeah, yeah. So you know that sputtering car phenomenon. That'll be about thirty five percent of companies that'll have that phenomenon, and they're going to survive. It won't be anything fun to work at. Cause it's, you know, you're not really growing. You're not, you're not making much money, you're not making enough money to pay good well, hire good people, do a lot of training. Um, you don't have any money for that, but you don't die and you'll stick around for, you know, seven, eight, 10 years. And then there'll be about 20% of people, you know, in there, another a third, so about a third, a third, no, no, 30%, 30%, 30%, 30%, getting to 90% roughly in there that will just, that'll sit there and they'll, they'll be stalled out, but they will be kind of like grandpa in the, in the lazy boy. In other words, we're just kind of like cruising and we're not making a lot of investments, but we're trying to manage earnings and we hope the business will just hang around for a few years. That's General Motors, for example. Who wants to own General Motors stock, right? I haven't done anything for 50 years. Um, so that's the, the third level of the growth stall. You only have about, you know, 7 to 10% chance of ever getting back in front of it and becoming an exciting company again. Yeah. Now, I want all of our listeners, if you ever hit a growth stall, I want all of you all of you to get over it and be one of the 10 percenters. But the reality is you're fighting a tough battle because the fact that you hit a growth stall means that you've missed something.
0: There's some foundational issues there.
1: Yeah. You've not kept up with the market. You've not kept up with your customers. And this is what the fear I have as a strategist for Meta and its Facebook product. They are still a huge company and they are still selling a lot of ads and they have a lot of cash. They are not going to fail. That is not going to happen soon, but their price has, has cratered. Would I say, Oh, go buy more of that stock. If you, you know, if I was at a a cocktail reception, remember we don't make stock recommendations, but I would tell people to start. I'm saying, no, I would say, you know, I'm not sure that they know exactly what their future is. I don't hear exactly what the metaverse is, but in the meantime, they're not keeping their main business going. They're not continuing to sell. So if you think about Ford, it, it shrunk its main business, but it said yeah. we're going to keep being successful selling internal combustion engine cars. We're going to keep doing that. Disney, we're not going to invest a lot in amusement parks and theater releases, but we're going to keep doing it because we're going to keep up with our customers. There's still a market for that. We're going to stay with it. Google, same thing. Netflix, same thing. We're keeping investments at a very low level in the old mm-hmm. stuff, but enough that we can keep our customers and we can keep growing. And Facebook, they have not They've shifted so much money into the metaverse investments that they've not kept their eye on investments enough on the ball and their revenues will have three consecutive quarters of of year over year revenue decline. That's worrisome. That's very, very worrisome because they've got to be darn right on this metaverse thing. There's not much room for error. Now, take for example, when Facebook was, I'm sorry, when Netflix was launching streaming, they kept The, the distribution of DVDs alive. They didn't shut it off and quit doing it. They kept it alive. The minimal investment, let's, you know, until we get the next one running. When Mm -hmm. they went into content, they didn't turn off all the old content, all the reruns and everything else. They kept those going and they added their new content, right? To keep growing revenue. And what we see at Facebook is there's, there's now the not paying enough attention to that original business. And so, yes, it's worthwhile to be worried about that. So I think. Our base needs to – we're trying to kind of do with these modernistic stories of Disney, Ford, and Facebook uh, meta is, is keep people re- – remind people that the number one thing we have to do as a company is sell more stuff. We just have to sell yeah. stuff. If you don't sell stuff, you don't have a company, right? I don't wow. care. You've got to sell stuff.
0: You've got to sell stuff. So I ask people uh, – You know, we talk about – we're obviously a, a growth strategy innovation company, and, and I talk about – I ask questions of how do you grow a company and people don't, they don't know the answer right away. And they, they say, well, you just have, uh, you know, you have more stuff and you have this and they don't know that the the only way you grow is by selling more stuff. And in particular, you sell more stuff of what people want to buy. Yeah. And that of people want to buy bit is the whole idea of trends. And if you're not something in trend, people are not going to buy it.
1: Yep. Yep. And, and we can learn from these lessons that these modern companies, big companies, still, they still they prove out every year what we know about strategy today. Just what you said. Know where the customer is. Know what the trends are. Know your value proposition. And keep reinvesting in your value proposition. When you have to change your value delivery system, do so. Don't be surprised if people get angry at you. Don't be surprised if it's difficult to make big changes in your value delivery system. But if you don't, you'll be the next Sears or the next, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Blockbuster or the next Radio Shack. Yeah.
0: and, And let's be clear about this. You know, Adam and I talk primarily of these giant mega companies. But all of this that we talk about can be applied to your own company, right, to be applied to what you're doing in your uh in your small software company, or if you've got a a handful of car repair shops, are you, are you really investing in what's happening in the future? If you're a car repair uh, company uh, you know, you should maybe start looking at uh, being able to repair some of these electric cars and things of that nature. And it's all applicable to any level of company. And just like we've talked about these different uh, you know uh, whether they're a stalled company or not, all that can also happen to you. If you're, if you're stalling two consecutive quarters, you, you should really look at what you're delivering, um, the value that you're delivering to your customers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And know that value proposition. I, I drum this in the everybody's heads when I meet with them and everybody shakes their head. Yeah, yeah. And then I say, well, tell me your value proposition. And almost nobody can. <laughs> it's a pretty big struggle. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it, and that, that's where you want to start. But, to do that, you got to take a little time away from managing the business day to day, quit focusing on the value delivery system for a little while to do that. And that can just be really, really hard because you get rewarded for focusing on the value delivery system. For years, we've heard focus on your core, you know, from from the old gurus of the past. They said, that's the thing to do, even though I can't even think of their names now. And most people out there can't think of their names, right? Because right. they did not, those processes, those approaches the focus on execution did not work. They did not work and they do not help you have a sustainable, successful, long-term company. But focusing on revenues, that can. That is the most important thing every CEO needs to know is you've got to have revenues, even if it's not where you came from. If you came from finance or you came from operations, it doesn't matter. Success uh,
0: hides lots of sins. Uh, oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> Revenue growth can hide a lot of sense. You're absolutely correct about that, Manny.
0: All right. Well, well very good. Very well said. Adam. Any final thoughts before we, we log off from today's podcast?
1: I hope everyone is going to have a great holiday season 2022.
0: Absolutely. And I think next time we should talk about, Adam, uh, some things that we should be looking at and preparing for for the new year. Obviously, the new year is just a uh, you know a month away. And even though it doesn't really mean anything to some people, it's just another a uh, passing day to a lot of people. That that demarcation of one year to the next means a lot, and uh, and so with that, uh, thank you for your time, Adam. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Manny. Cheers.